Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Okay, okay, I'm good now. We're on. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. 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 You can creep somebody out just with a hi. You can. Hi. Yeah, it's yeah. totally true. Like, oh, hi. Hi. Or you can annoy the shit out of them, too. Hi. Hi. Like that. <laughs> Fucking shoot me. Right? Uh, <laughs> how are you? Uh, good. I'm good. We, uh, you know who's not good? The federal fucking government right now. <laughs> they haven't been good for a, for a hot minute, Scott. Jesus, these guys just blow me away. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk about the new plea from Peel Region's um, uh, chief medical officer of health, who I feel is just being so political in this whole thing. Uh, Dr. Lowe, I'm sure you're a great doctor. I'm sure you are, but shut up about the sick pay shit. Just, just worry about people's health, all right? Um, but we'll get to that coming up. The TSA has released their airport security top 10 catches of 2020, and it shocks the shit out of me what people think is okay to bring on an airplane. Weapons, including a slingshot, a book containing concealed knives, Roman candles, smoke grenades, a dead baby shark in a chemical preservative. Jesus. Somebody made a homemade humidor for their cigars that looks exactly like a bomb. It's got like wires coming out of it. Concealed marijuana in a shampoo bottle. A long-barreled gun hidden in the lining of a suitcase. These are all just the things that security caught with people going through. Makes you wonder what did get through. I always wonder that. You know, because when you watch stuff like Border Security, which I freaking loved, and they stopped. Love that show, yes. I know. Not that it would be as as interesting now, but maybe it still would be. Who knows? But I hated that they, they stopped it in a lot of places for a bunch of different reasons. But when you watch it, that's the exact thing I think, Scott, is like, these are all people who got caught. Some people have like legit bricks of cocaine in their luggage because they're fucking mm-hmm. idiots. Yep. What? Who made it through without the scan? Who made it through and got away with it? And what did you bring with you? And how much of that did you have? Whether it be drugs or weapons or or any anything. Some people bring like live turtles and shit. Like gross foods too. Like, sorry, not sorry, but some of that shit's, there's a reason why you can't travel with it because it could bring right. disease. It's fucking nasty. But people think that's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can bring my gun as long as it's in the lining of my suitcase. It's allowed. No, it's not. You fuck. You're not allowed to bring any guns on an airplane. What made you think you'd get through with that? I mean, they have scanners for every single piece of baggage that gets on an airplane. Everything gets scanned. It's going to get found in 99% of the cases. So I, I don't know what these people are thinking, but I do have a good article up about it at scottandcat.ca. A uh, collective of chefs have prepared some advice for all of us, Cat. They have the five cooking mistakes that we all regularly make. Oh, I can't wait to hear how shitty I am in the kitchen. Let's proceed. Don't use dull knives. That is their very first thing. Okay. They say you'll actually, you're more likely to cut yourself using a dull knife than you are with a sharp knife. Oh. So sharpen those babies up and be careful. Well, I don't know about being more likely to cut yourself, but I will say I recently made a knife upgrade. All my knives were just old. And yes, I had the sharpener that came with the knives, but trying to sharpen them, it just, it's, they're old. Like when I say old, I think they're like 10 years old. And I, I know for some people that might not be old, but for me, no, I'd rather just buy a fresh new set. So I did that. What a difference it makes. I literally had trouble chopping green peppers before you couldn't get through a green pepper with I those mean, old knives i could but it was hard you like you might, might as well have cut it with a butter knife but as soon as i made the switch to better knives 
It was an instant game changer in the kitchen. So that I do agree with. I have a series of knives that I've been using for about seven or eight years now. They're by Wustoff. Somewhere over in Europe, maybe Germany. Sounds like it might be Germany, but they do have a Canadian branch as well. And those are great knives. You do have to sharpen them regularly, but these chefs are absolutely right. Using good knives is good. And when it's sharp, you're more likely to be careful when it's dull. You're not as careful. And then you got to cut a little harder and press a little harder. And that's where accidents happen. And then you end up with nine digits. So use a sharp knife. They say number two. Pay better attention when you're chopping and cut your vegetables evenly. They say if you take the time to cut your veggies evenly, they'll cook more evenly. That seems common sense, but I don't know. When you're trying to cut up an entire green pepper, for example, sometimes they're not all perfect. Onions is another one that they're round and it's hard to chop them into perfectly even pieces. Right. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. You're right. It is hard. It well, okay. We say it's hard. We just mean it's time. It takes more time, right? It's not yeah. hard. It's just it's time. It's time consuming. What what's always key, I think, and maybe it's in the list, and maybe it's not, is the prep. So let's say that you do have that dinner planned, and you're gonna make a I don't know stew. If you pre-chop all the things for the stew and then plop it in, man, that saves you time. So when you do have the time, do those even chops. But that 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 didn't even register to me until you said it. That makes sense. Don't leave a huge mess of pots and pans. They say you can knock some of those dishes off while you're prepping. That way it's not overwhelming at the end of your meal. And besides, you may end up in a situation where you need a clean pot or pan. So they say do dishes as you go. I prefer to do it that way. I don't like that whole big fucking pile or that sink full of dishes afterwards. I'd like to get it done as I go. It's easier too. nothing sticks. Well, it's it's, then when you're eating, it's a little more stress free. And I don't know if it's completely stress free, but it makes me feel a little bit better while I'm eating that I'm not looking at a pile of dishes in the sink, knowing that after I complete this delicious meal, I've got to go over there and clean a million things. Taste everything as you go. Make adjustments on the fly. If it doesn't taste right, there's still time to fix it. Mm. That's a good one because I'm guilty. I mean, I watch Hell's Kitchen all the time. It's one of my favorite shows, and they're constantly tasting. I haven't translated that into my culinary skills. I taste it when it's done, like before I serve it, but at that point, it's too late to change it. Maybe you need to add a little salt while it's cooking. Maybe you need to add some, I don't know, fucking oregano or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You do that while it's cooking, not when it's done, and then you just got to throw shit on a plate to try and fix the flavor and finally stop checking your food in the oven every time you open the door it lets heat out and makes your oven have to preheat again which requires a surge of heat it doesn't cook evenly so close the oven door and leave it closed i do that but i find that the light i have a double so i've got a double oven in that i can set something on the top and the bottom and do two different temperatures but the top, when you look through the window, you can't even really see it well. Like, just the way that the oven is designed, it's stupid. It's because it's dirty. It's stupid. <laughs> no, but like, you can't even see in. Like, I'm telling you, you have to look up, and, and you'll miss what you're cooking if you can't see it. Like, I'm telling you, it's hard to even see it. The window dirty aside, which you're absolutely right, that's another issue. The light, I don't think, is good enough in there for me to actually see it. I have to open the oven door to see what it looks like. I truly do. There has to be an easier way to clean your stove or your oven because I can't see into my stove because that little glass window is dirty 
And I don't want to sit there and fucking scrub that for three days. That's a pain in the butt. I'd rather just uh, uh, open the door. Yep. Peek. Yep. Okay. It's still in there. Good. There's That's all be, I was checking, really. <laughs> there's got to be something on like TikTok University, which is what we're calling it now. Uh, a TikTok University that has some good, easy ways. Someone's going to DM us inevitably. Please do so because I'm curious too. The best way to clean the oven. I don't like using the stinky oven cleaning products. So oh, that's like- a joke. Unless yeah. you want the fire department to show yeah. up and your neighbors to be very concerned, preach. don't even bother with that self-cleaning yeah. shit. Yeah, preach, preach. So if you know a way that's a little more natural, please let us know. I know the microwave hacks, and they're great, and I use them all the time. I don't know uh, as much about what the oven might be like, because that's a harder one to clean. Peanut butter, yes or no? Well, like generally in life, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, actually, I like peanut butter, too. 35% of us say they eat peanut butter right out of the jar. <laughs> I've never once done that. Like, you got to really like peanut what? butter to not put it on bread and or, or toast and just want a mouthful of peanut butter. Wait a minute. You've never taken a spoonful of peanut butter and ate it? Did you? You, you, haven't, li- you haven't lived yet. Can I just Do say- you know how quickly my mother would have turned me over her knee if she caught me eating Seriously? peanut butter right out of the fucking jar? That's right up there with drinking milk out of I- the bag. Okay, let me tell you, in my house, my girls both love peanut butter because who? what kid like doesn't love peanut butter if they're able to eat it, right? So one of the treats that they are allowed to have if they do a good job eating is I will take one of their spoons, I will fill it with peanut butter, and they can have a spoonful of peanut butter, and that makes them happy as shit. And I don't mind because the peanut butter I get isn't too bad. It isn't loaded with sugar. And if I want to treat myself, I get the almond butter. So close. But I'll get it a spoonful of almond butter. That's like the best. That's the best. You got to do it. You got to do it today, Scott. Eat peanut butter out of the jar. Yes. I don't see myself doing that. Treat but yourself. okay, I mean, thanks for the recommendation. Treat, treat yourself. Yo, you live alone. It's not like anyone's going to fucking complain if you, if you do a double dip, which I don't recommend you do anyway. But just take a spoonful. I'd feel like such an asshole if somebody came over and asked me for peanut butter. Not that that has ever happened in my life, but let's say 2021's the year, and I make them a sandwich knowing full well, yeah, I eat right out of that well, fucking jar. Well, that's the thing. Don't, that's why you take a clean spoon, you do the dip, you eat it off the spoon, and you leave that alone. And then you're fine. What I, what I do do, and I recommend this every year, Easter is not that far away. We're only about five weeks, I think. I take those chocolate bunnies, and I dip them in the peanut butter jar. So every year in my Easter basket, magically, I find a jar of peanut butter, and that's specifically for dipping a Mr. Munchie in. That never, that doesn't, that doesn't really taste good. It's right? chocolate and peanut butter together. I mean, it doesn't taste like Reese, but it's pretty damn yeah. good. Yeah, I think we're so accustomed to that Reese taste, which isn't directly peanut butter and chocolate. I think we can all figure that out by looking at the texture of the peanut butter inside a Reese. But because I'm so used to that taste, which is delicious, I can't do that. I can't do that. Nope. Last but certainly not least, uh, creamy or crunchy? I'm going to say creamy. Crunchy peanut butter is gross. Like you don't even have a palate if you like crunchy peanut See, butter. I, that's intense. I don't think that, but I definitely think uh, smooth over crunchy every time. 63% of people say they'd rather have no peanut butter than the type of peanut butter they don't like. And it is basically evenly split. About half like crunchy, half like creamy. But if if that's the preference, right? I mean, okay, so yeah, I like creamy and all that's available is crunchy. 63% say they'd rather have nothing at all. <laughs> all right, maybe you don't really like peanut butter then. Um, let's talk about this divorce case here because this one fucking shocks me. 
a court has ordered a man to pay his ex-wife $7,700 for domestic services she rendered during their marriage. The ruling is the first case concerning a recently enacted law that may require breadwinning ex-spouses to cover the years their partner spent cooking, cleaning, raising children, nursing elder relatives, or otherwise supporting the family from home. They say the decision has sparked a heated debate among the millions of citizens who are on social media over the value of housework. The couple in question, whose identities are limited to just their surnames, Wang and Chen, were married for five years. They were separated, and now the wife has sued him for all of the domestic chores that she did. $7,700. He was also ordered to pay her $300 a month in support for the kids. Wow. Wow. I've never heard of anything like this. Like spousal support uh, is one thing, but to back, to to go back. No, it's not a thing. (laughs) It is. (laughs) No, it's not. But to back track Uh and say, here's what I also did in this marriage and I deserve money for from this person. Isn't that a slippery slope? Very slippery slope. What I mean, if they're saying she should be compensated for that that she put in, okay, let, let's say he brought in, I don't know, $100,000 a year and it only cost $50,000 a year to live. Should he get some compensation because he over-contributed to the household? No, that'll never happen. <laughs> that'll never happen, that'll but never that's happen. why the divorce laws are fucked. I don't, but, okay, obviously we have a very bitter divorce happening here. There's no way in hell that an amicable split, or, or even if you kind of don't like the person anymore, I've never heard of that happening, and I don't even think, by the way, it could happen here. No. Ever. So, so for those who are freaking out about that or wondering, hey, should I go back and ask for more? No, it's not going to happen here. But it is some kind of setting a dangerous precedent. Uh, you would think that when you, while you were in that relationship, doing all those things that you were doing, that you split and divided chores. And I'll use chores as a very general term, evenly. So, for example, I might be the one more likely to clean up in the kitchen, clean up around the house, tidy, do laundry. But my partner is so good at helping to maintain our property and cut the grass and does the shoveling and does the majority of A, B, and C. Well, I gardening, do anything. D, E, and F, right? Exactly. So that makes us even. You must have been able to convince the judge in this case that your partner was so fucking useless that they actually owe you money for maintaining a home that you both lived in, if you think about it that way. I guess. I just, yeah, I mean, maybe he was a real sack of shit and didn't and help a lot out of those. at all. There's a lot of lazy-ass people, and it's it's. some people think it's always got to be the man, but that's not the case. Nope. I know a lot of lazy-ass uh, women as well. It's it's and that must be tough being in a relationship where you're pulling all of the weight here and you're behind on things because that person's so fucking lazy. They can't even bother to try to clean or or maintain your property or your cars or whatever, whatever it might be. That must get kind of annoying when they literally do nothing. I'm talking about people who do nothing. How do you put a value on that? How do you say, oh, yeah, I figure uh, if we vacuum once a week, that's 52 times a year that I vacuumed and we were together for five years. So, yeah, you owe me uh, 
How, how do you assign a dollar value to that? You probably, I'm wondering how this court came up with $7,700. Right. They probably took a look at and just made it a little less than what it would cost for someone to come in and do all of those things in your house. A, a maid service, if you will. Okay, but did he do nothing? Did he not go out and earn? Did he not provide? I I, I, I'd love to know more about uh, this case and I how they came knew. to that conclusion. Yeah, I, I really, I wish we knew. Obviously, he has enough, He has money because he wouldn't be giving all this money if he didn't have money. So again, I go back to, in this case specifically, she must have been able to prove or had a track record of or was taking tallies in the moment of how shitty of a human being and a partner this person is. Should you be giving invoices then to your partner when you do something around the house? Just keep them on file in case shit goes south in your marriage? That'll be fun. If you never want to have sex with that person again, you go ahead and do that. You are not a fan of the trend that's been going on for about six or seven years now where Oreo keeps putting out strange flavors. You don't like it. Well, look, it's not that I, I, I people like it, so that's fine. Me, personally, I think if something's good, just for the most part, although there are some things, but for the most part... Leave it alone. Most of the flavors that Oreo has come out with, for example, have been brutal. And I think we can all agree they're nasty. In Canada, you don't get access to them as much unless you visit some of those like shops. You know, the ones I'm talking about where they have all kinds of American treats. But in in the States, if you go there, you're able to see all of these different flavors of cereals and cookies. And most of the time, they're not better than the OG, the original product. According to the latest numbers... When those random flavors come out from Oreo, they actually sell very, very well. Although traditional Oreos sell even better. Mm -hmm. They say sales of Oreos have jumped 22% since they started regularly pumping out new flavors. Basically, the new flavors are free advertising for the originals. Now people remember how much they like the original. That turned out to be a smart business decision. Interesting. Wouldn't that be kind of like um, Coke decides they're going to put out, like, I don't know, a raspberry-flavored Coke, and people go out and try it and think, oh, this is fucking terrible, but I'd really like a regular Coke. I forgot how much I like cola. <laughs> That's right. It's the same sort of shit, right? Yeah, you know, I never thought about it that way, but if that works for them, then then that's a win. And some people, like I said, really do like those different flavors. I, for me, I don't understand how you like a fruity Oreo. That's fucking weird. Okay, but- the watermelon ones are not good. I'll admit that. I've tried most of the flavors. Watermelon, that's a loser. No way. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I, I kind of like some of them, actually. The problem is they're very hard to find here. You can go into the States and find an entire aisle at Walmart that's all different flavored Oreos. Here, a little bit trickier to find. Uh, Let's revisit a story that has come up many times over the years on After 9. The Parole Board of Canada says a drunk driver who killed four people, including three kids, still lacks insights into his drinking prior to the crash. Marco Muzzo was granted full parole earlier this month, but the parole board released its written reasons yesterday. In the document, it says Muzzo has made a lot of progress but continues to struggle with issues related to alcohol and empathy. Why the fuck is he out then? Why is he out? The whole point of letting someone out early, giving them parole, is because they are reformed and have learned their lesson and they are not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't have empathy and still has alcohol-related issues, why did you let him out? Like, Does the parole board understand the point of parole? 
Yeah, I, I, I stopped using the phrase, the term justice system, because here I don't believe we have one of those. It's a law system that we have to stick to, apparently. But to me, there's no justice in a lot of in a lot of these stories. And there's multiple, by the way. This is one example of many where I just roll my eyes and like, what the fuck are we doing? Can we not blow this up and start over? We, we need to start over because this is not like what he's received is not punishment. It doesn't seem like, well, I mean, he went to jail for, what was it, five years of a 10-year sentence, I think? Five years. And and he's been out on uh, weekend passes and and day paroles for a little over a year now. So he really only did slightly over three years out of a 10-year sentence for killing four people. Three of them were children. Getting into a car drunk, knowing full well what he was fucking doing. It's, It's infuriating. He's also a very wealthy individual. He comes from a wealthy family. He was just coming back from his bachelor party in Miami on a private jet. You know, I I still think that, uh, and this is a slippery slope too. So hear me out on this because maybe I just need to talk it through. He had buddies with him. He had buddies with him. They went with him to Miami. They knew full well how drunk he was, how much they drank in Miami, and how much they drank on the plane home. And they still let him get in a car. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wonder if maybe the friends should bear some of the responsibility for this. And, and maybe it's not a fine or jail time for them. But I have to think that other people own some responsibility in this. Drunk people make bad decisions because they're drunk. If there's someone else with them, that should help be a conscience. And everything that could go wrong went wrong here. The system didn't work. If I go out with buddies and I'm the center of attention, it's my birthday or my bachelor party. They're still somewhat responsible for me because they're taking me out with the explicit goal of getting me as loaded as possible. And I don't understand why the people who were with him don't bear a little bit of responsibility. Like, what were you thinking letting that guy get off his private jet and into his Ferrari and racing up the street when he inevitably killed four people? You know, it is interesting. And we do have laws in this province about people serving, right? Um, Over serving at bars. You get in trouble for that. The establishment gets in trouble. Is there some personal responsibility? I mean, it's a good thing to look into when you're around people who know full well you probably shouldn't be driving. Or were they so inebriated that they didn't realize, you know? How did anybody, is it the pilot? Is it the flight attendant? There has to be someone who has just a little bit of of impact on this situation to say, wait a second, you just downed like six beers on this two and a half hour flight. Uh, You probably shouldn't be getting in that Ferrari and driving home. Or, hey guys, just want to make sure you guys have got a ride. And not lost on me here is the fact that he does have incredible means and it would have been nothing to have even a a limo pick him up at the airport and take him home. We hear about these stories all the time and that's that's the exact same argument. Now that said, it's never okay, no matter if you're rich or poor, to drive drunk. Period. The end. You can't say that just because then what you're saying is, oh, he didn't have the means, so he got in the car and drove. It doesn't make that okay ever. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you're right. It was easy for him. It was easy for him to do it and he chose that's why, I mean, this whole thing was a choice. It was a choice to do it. It's, uh, anyway, it, it pisses me off. It, it infuriates me. It really does. And last but certainly not least, people are, they're angry because they're just starting to catch on to something we talked about last week in the After 9 podcast. I'll read you the story from this morning's news. Peel Region's top doctor says it's unfortunate 
that some international travelers arriving at Toronto Pearson Airport are refusing to comply with the new quarantine rules. Peel Regional Police say several travelers have refused to follow the order that requires a three-day quarantine in a designated government hotel. They say some cases were resolved in discussions with officers, but other travelers were fined $880 under the Ontario regulations. Peel Region's Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Lawrence Lowe, is reminding people the rules are there to limit the spread of COVID and its more contagious variants. So if you're not sure what that meant, it's quite simple. You had to show a negative test to get into the country, to even get on the plane when it came to Canada. Mm -hmm. Then you land, you take another test. You're supposed to go to the quarantine hotel and wait for the results. That, we know, can cost about $2,000 to stay at a Holiday Inn. Or you can refuse to comply and just go home. And if you refuse to comply, they can give you a ticket for 880 bucks. It's not a criminal charge. It's just a provincial ticket. And you can go home and quarantine there. Why wouldn't I go home and just stay in my house and quarantine there and pay $880 instead of staying at a hotel for a couple more nights at $2,000? And you can refuse the test when you land, too. Um, I'll introduce you here to Chris Guy. Chris Guy, according to his uh, social accounts, is a creator of a nonprofit called Back to Work. Um, he's very much against uh, what's happening in this country. This is him. He, this was posted, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, Sunday, It was actually removed from Instagram, and if I'm not mistaken, removed from Twitter. But you can find it on YouTube. It has over 106,000 views. And I saw this earlier in the week and thought, I mean, uh, c- c- come on. So Chris, landing at Pearson, refused the COVID test and refused the quarantine. When you hear that, you might think, uh-oh, there's trouble, back of a cop car. Not even in the slightest. Here's exactly what went down from Chris's point of view. And we're going to go outside. We're going to refuse their stupid test. And tell everybody to refuse their stupid test. So, yeah. Hi. Yes, because I have a medical condition, so I don't need to wear one. And I'm also a Canadian citizen, and this is a violation of our charter rights, Section 6, and a violation of the Emergency Act 14.1. So I'm going to be declining your test today. Thank you very much. No problem. I'll happily do that. Everybody in here, if you are a Canadian citizen, simply deny the test, deny their quarantine, and there's nothing you can do. They cannot stop you. They cannot force you. You are a citizen. You have rights. If you want to wait in the line for two hours, let them put shit up your nose. Go right ahead. But if you have a brain and you have balls, just say no. That's fine. I have a body. I have a camera on as well. So, yes. Everybody, this is what you do. You say no to their test, no to their quarantine. And if you're a citizen or a permanent resident, there's absolutely nothing they can do but acknowledge that you have rights and they have to respect that. Is that not true? Say it's true for the camera, everybody. Say it's true. So you have some identification? I do, of course. That's not a problem. And, uh, you refuse to take the test? I refuse to take your test a million percent. No problem. And everybody in here, Canadian citizens, you can refuse the test. Just say no, don't wait in line, and there's nothing they can do.
Okay, I will not yell, that's true. But I just want you guys to acknowledge for 91,000 people watching that anybody can refuse the test. Perfect, thank you. You guys hear that? Straight from the horse's mouth, straight from the police, refuse the test. Ooh, I'm getting a ticket! Oh, not another one of those tickets! You know, tell everybody how many people have been convicted of those tickets in Canada. Answer? Zero. How many people have been charged? Thousands. How many people convicted? Zero. Why? It's a violation of our charter rights. So when that ticket goes to court, they throw it the fuck out. It's that simple. So I'm waiting for my little fine. Thanks, guys. Wow. Okay, let me just say first and foremost, he, to the best of my knowledge, is not a lawyer. And all of the charter things that he mentioned there have not been tested in court. I think that's important to note because uh, what he's saying isn't necessarily true and it would be up to a judge if it ever came to that. But he's got a point. Why would you subject yourself to the test and the quarantine stay and the big bill when you can just go to your own home? And a few media outlets have tried to say, oh, well, you know, you can still get in trouble if you do that. You know, it could be a $750,000 fine and six months in jail. That's if you break quarantine, if you go home and they catch you outside of your home. That could happen. That's also an extreme case. I mean, in theory, a drunk driver should go to jail for 10, 15, 20 years, especially when you kill four people. But as we all know, you can get house arrest after four years and freedom after five. Mm -hmm. So the, the high side of that may sound scary, but it's only if you break quarantine. If you intend to quarantine and just want to do it at home. Why wouldn't you pay the lower amount? Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand what the incentive is to be fully compliant with what the government expects. Yeah. And the, the government has the best of intentions here. They want to keep COVID and its variants out. Should have done it a year ago. They didn't. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Okay. Let's talk about February 25th, 2021. Here we are. Now you have to, or you're supposed to. You're supposed to. It's a but scare you don't tactic. have to. It's a scare tactic is what it is. It's disguised as all kinds of other things, uh, being safe and everything else. It's a scare tactic to keep you from traveling. That's what they really want you to do is not travel, okay? And there's some of us, myself included, where I'm not interested in traveling anyway. All of that stuff doesn't look fun to me right now. But there are some people who don't care about all that stuff that might not look as fun. When they arrive to whatever destination, they're still going to have a fine time, they think. So they would like to continue to travel and go to all the places that they're allowed to go to right now. So if you're doing that and you're already in the mindset of, fuck it, like I want to go travel, then why would you not, when you get back, do everything he just did? A lot of people seemed quite afraid. And as you watch this video... Um, you'll see that he, and you could hear that he was telling other people, like, you can refuse the test. Canadian citizens, here's what you can do, A, B, C, D, it'll be fine. Um, he went, by the way, out of his way to mention, in case you're wondering how it all went down after the fact, the officers that were there treated him with respect. He says yeah. they were amazing, they were friendly, they were professional. Don't forget they're doing a job too, right? And they're told to stand there and, and give everybody the information they need. And hey, guys, go stand in line for your tests, which is, by the way, the lineups for those when you get to the airport are fucking atrocious. Mm -hmm. um, but they're friendly and professional. So, and, and he was, for the most part, respectful. He admitted, okay, yelling was probably a bit much considering he didn't have a mask on. But for the most part, I think he, he, was, he was respectful. And apparently a lot of people that are doing that, that are refusing have been just straight up, yep, I know my rights. Yep, I'm a Canadian citizen. Yep, I I will comply with this quarantine that's in place at my home. At my home is where I'll do it. And we'll see what happens.
Well, but uh, again, I just I do think everything that they've done is, is just a bit of a, a scare tactic to tactic to stop you from going to begin with. I, I just it seems like the system is broken. Like I get that the government is scared to death to reopen the charter. They don't want to open up the charter and take away people's rights. Trudeau doesn't want to be the guy who does it. Ford, does, well, Ford can't do it. It can only be Trudeau that can open up the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They don't want to do that. So they're putting in these rules and they're basically creating a smoke and mirrors kind of situation, almost sort of lying to us. But if we can secure our border, we, we can, by the way. That's why we have guards when you cross the bridge in Fort Erie or in Niagara. That's why you have to go see customs when you arrive in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's penalties for breaking the rules there. Why can't there be an actual firm penalty when it comes to COVID? There has to be a compromise here. Is there nobody in charge at the government of trying to figure out where the loopholes lie and how people might get around what they're proposing? Yeah, I don't know if they had. I don't. So many questions, Scott. I, I've said it before. I think it was in the podcast that, that we started talking about all the shit that's happening right now. That's happened since March of last year. That continues to happen. Where we go? What the fuck is going on right now? Put it all in a coffee table book, man. Sell it, and I'll buy it. Because I want to look back on this and be like, "There's where they went wrong. There's where they went wrong. There's where they went wrong." And by the way, we shouldn't just say it's all about. Or I don't believe it's all about our our federal government. I think there's some blame to be put on all forms of government and some of it is based on the fact we didn't know everything right away so i give a pass to a lot of things there it's quite possible they knew about this for example they knew there would be a loophole but they didn't think people would be willing to defy them they would they would carry on and continue to do everything they're supposed to do get the test and stay in the hotel but that's not what happened so maybe they did know about it it's possible they figured yes there's a loophole but to change the charter of rights which is basically what they'd have to do is just too much work and it might also take too much time i don't know enough about it to know what it would take to change it it may take so much time scott that by the time they come around to being able to do it it's a non-issue because we have vaccines in arms and we're able to do more And on that, we will say thank you for listening to this edition of After 9, everybody. Tomorrow is Friday. That means our buddy Dave Blizzard is going to join us. You guys enjoy this beautiful weather. The sun is shining. It is great today. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.